Have you ever read a book and thought to yourself, I could explain this to someone else, but maybe there's a few things that I want explained back to me. I'll be sitting down with authors, thought leaders, visionaries. I'm your host, Josh Lipstone. This is Explain This Book to Me. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Josh Lipson, and today is the sixth episode in our limited series called Explain This Book to Me. I am joined once again by my guest, Jason Cass, who is the author of the book, Customer Service is Just Foreplay, The Modern Customer Experience Will Separate You from Your Competition. I believe this will be the second to last episode in our series, and I'm excited to talk with you today. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, Josh. Looking forward to it again. Hope all you loyal listeners and everybody listening uh, thinks this is a treat as much as it is for me to to rehash all this up. Sounds good. So today we're going to be finishing up section two of the book, um, which is going to be the second half of that great infographic that's in the book on the back of the actual book. Um, And like we did in the last episode, for any loyal listeners that want this graphic, please feel free to email Jason at Jason at agency-intelligence.com, or we'll try to put it in the show notes if that's possible. Now, for those of you keeping score at home, we are recording this episode on Monday, June 14th, 2020. Now, Jason, before we get started, I'm going to ask you just a quick two-part question. Okay. All right. What is the one thing about the book that people agree with or praise you for, and what is the one thing about the book that people disagree or criticize you for? Hmm. Um, well, I really don't know, first of all. I mean, I'm being honest. I think I've okay. got a couple ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to keep in mind, ago, that was five years ago, and I'm having trouble thinking about what I had for dinner last night. Um, if anybody, My loyal listeners know if anybody's new to the thing, you realize that Jason has a really bad memory. Um, uh, you know, one of the things, uh, first of all, everybody, it was amazing how I thought sometimes people thought that the, that the AMS section was so good. They said I had never put it together. Hmm. Josh, there was a time very recently that we didn't have to have things connect. Right. Right. We didn't have to have that. Mm -hmm. Like today we're like pulling our hair out because we can't get anybody to let us connect as opposed to five, six, seven years ago. I'm writing a blog right now. I just got back from camping, so I'm I do my writing when I when I go on blog or when I go on blogs, <laughs> when I go camping. And one of the the things that um, I'm writing about was API versus RPA. Okay, so three four years ago, no one knew what an API was. I can re- literally go into any convention and ask that to people right now and less than 40% of them are going to open their hand, open, uh, raise their hand. But today that's a main topic, right? Even right. though less than 40%. I believe RPA will be the same difference. It will be us roboting processes for them to happen over and over. Why this is a treat for me to say this is, is when is in three to four to five years when somebody's listening to this, they're going to think, wow, I can't believe RPA was just being talked about in 2020 because in 2023, in 2022, in 2021, it's going to become a main driving issue. And I actually think it could be the substance that makes insurance companies, AMS legacy systems finally try to say, okay, we're, we're going to have to open up our data. But I believe things like Neon will do that. 
Um, I also believe that uh, I also got a lot of pushback from a lot of people saying that customer ser- or experience is nothing more than customer service done correctly time and time again. I don't think that. I think that somebody could do business with you one time and have that experience. Uh, that, that That's very, very important. Um, I think a lot of people get upset because they pride their self their whole life on customer service. Mm-hmm. And because now I have changed it, or not me, society has changed it to customer experience, they all of a sudden now feel offended. And the reason why is they have to change their game, right? right. If you remember about some of the stuff we were talking about, it, it, when we go back to a couple podcasts ago, when we're talking about customer experience, it's not just so much creating it for the customer. It is, mm-hmm. but it also creates um, less stress and an even um, well, just less stress and less hectic and less chaos inside the office because right. we know who we're serving. To create that customer experience, we have to know who that is. When we know who they are, then we have less anxiety. We have less fear as to what we're doing on a daily basis. We can be consistent. We can be productive. But then also outside of our staff, and we're talking about the actual prospecting. Remember, Josh, we were talking about the fact that if you pay a producer, you pay them 20 30%, have them go get it. They have a lower closing ratio. Right. Have people take care of people in your office. They'll go get people. So this this experienced people is, oh, and they walk in. I just saw a post the other day, it's, and this guy said, it's how you make them feel goody-goody whenever they do business with you, and, and you make them feel wanted. Definitely that is part of it. There is yeah. no doubt a part of it. That's part of it. But it's so much more. Right. And so the main pushback I get is not is one specific thing, Josh. But I want to say the main pushback I'm getting is is people don't want to change. People looked at this book and they listened to this, Josh, and it makes sense. There's very few parts of this that you could say, oh, no, that won't work. Even when we talk about the multiple different types of agencies, the small agency versus the large agency, the preferred versus the non-standard, those all have – these right here are um, the tenets of everything that make that real. So – um, while I didn't have much of an answer, you let my brain start going and it makes total sense. The main thing was the AMS because we weren't used to connecting things. The big disadvantage was customer experience means that they have to move from customer service and they don't like that. Very good. And uh, we're actually going to talk about in just a moment about the your your employees or your team members, whatever you call them, and how the customer experience goes beyond Uh, This is a huge part of the Great Separator. This is a huge part of the Great Separator. All right. So let's go ahead and begin with Chapter 12, which is quoting and closing the sales, more sales, less time. So you start off by telling a story about a CEO of a very large insurance company who made a statement that many independent agents probably feel about either a small number of insurance companies, you know, not all, but some. And this is what he said. And I'm quoting from page 87 of the book for the loyal listeners who are following along. We would get rid of you all, meaning insurance agents, tomorrow if we could. We just haven't figured out how to do it yet. So when I first read this, I felt betrayed and I wanted to also know who it was that said it. Mm-hmm. Um, so first, let me get your your opinion on that statement and who was it? Yeah, and hell, I can't remember who it okay. was. I mean, I really, truly can't. So, because I heard it, I mean, I, I think before I was even an agency owner, 
Um, wow. And okay. it's something, and it's something we've all been told, maybe just not directly, but we've all been heard this: that if there was a way that a pamphlet or a brochure could sell, they wouldn't have you, right? Mm-hmm. Because, but that's the part: the brochure talks about the product, shows them what it is, but it's us to help convince them, help show them that how that could fit towards them. Um, so he's actually kind of right. Um, and, uh, let's, let's see here. Um, let's, let's, uh, I don't want to change the subject cause I want to stay right on this. Okay. But do we say the same thing about our clients? Do we say the same thing about them us having to service them? Yeah. If I could figure out a way to get rid of it, if I, if I could figure out a way to get rid of you all tomorrow and still keep the commission. I w- um, we just haven't figured out how to do it yet. And I think that we've probably figured it out more today than we have 20, 30, 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. So I guess we really can't beat up the guy or gal, whoever said it. I think it just has to do with if we're going to do what the name of the book says or the chapter, more sales, less time. When I hear more sales, I hear productivity. When I hear less time, I think of efficiency. If we can all figure out how to produce more and spend less time doing it or spend less time serving us in it, I think that's what we would all do. The difference between someone selling shoes and someone selling steaks and someone selling insurance is that you don't necessarily have to have a relationship or that person doesn't necessarily know what you need to eat. You're telling them what you eat. We call those order takers. People walking in say, hey, I need insurance. There's a lot of shit that that means. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. um, that's the best way that I can answer that. Yeah, I agree with him. I think it's harsh. Um, I gave him kudos for saying it. Yeah, I mean, not many just would come out and and happen mm-hmm. to say that. Um, I can't remember who it was. Now, as you've talked about on other podcasts you've done on the AI network, and we've kind of compared uh, the insurance companies to the elephants um, in the circus, which is what we talked about back in chapter one in the first mm-hmm. or second episode. I think it was the second episode. Um, are agents moving in the direction of being able to replace insurance companies with some sort of other mechanism? Or will there always be insurance companies around, but less insurance companies? The second one. There okay. will be always be insurance companies around, just less of them. Um, I also think that um, – think of every other part of uh, the economy. Mm-hmm. The, the main thing is how do you save money? Oh, I cut out the middleman, right? I've right. heard that before. Mm-hmm. I had you – wow. No, we got di- uh, factory direct prices, right? Mm-hmm. Who's factory? The insurance company. Who's selling at the direct price? The insurance agents. Who's getting cut out? The insurance companies. So the insurance companies are the manufacturers, but we all know that there's the reinsurers. Really, there's like what five, six reinsurers that yeah. like control all insurance in, in the world, really. Right. Um, and then and then we have all of these others, right? How do yeah. we get rid of this middle guy? The all these others. How do we get directly to? CEO of Columbia Mutual Insurance Company out of Columbia, Illinois. I'll tell you that. Whoever the um, CEO was at the time, Dan, I think was his name or something. They had me come in and do a um, I talk with their with their C-suite and I had to go in and talk to him all this stuff. And I told him about the animals. Mm-hmm. And he came up to me afterwards and he said, Jason, I want you to know, he says, you say that the carriers are the animals, that's what you think. And he says, and I want to tell you, I think you're right. He yeah. says, but the reason is, is I say this having a company that they're going after, but we're getting a lot of pressure from our reinsurers. 
to get closer to you, the agent, or to get closer directly to the company. They're starting to see cutting out the, the middleman. And to say that that's a crazy thought is what I started out this with. It's happening in every other line of the economy. It doesn't mean that it's the best way. It doesn't necessarily mean that everybody, everybody goes that way. But there's certain people that have figured out in certain industries, we don't need that middleman. And sometimes we do. I'll give you an example. Um, we need a middleman that sells me stoves. Okay, because the stove comes from the manufacturer, let's say, uh, you know, Whirlpool. Okay, so it comes from Whirlpool. Well, to come directly to me, that's very, very tough. I mean, me ordering from the manufacturer and all the different models. No, nah, no, nah, you got to have that to where you got that middleman. And sometimes you may even have two middlemen in there. That's explaining the process, brings it down to the retail level, allows me to have multiple shops to go into. But if I'm buying steel, I don't necessarily have to have a middleman because I can buy that directly from the manufacturer. There's not a lot of different models. It's it's like, hey, I need a 13-foot I-beam, right, 12 inches tall. Yeah, we have middlemen, but I also know many people that go directly to uh, – we have a lot of steel manufacturing around here. That's the only reason why I'm saying that. And I used to write fa fabricators and know that some of those guys buy from a middleman. Some of them buy directly from the steel manufacturer. Gotcha. So, 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 sorry to go right off that off nope. that topic, but that, but that goes back to what I'm saying here. Um, and so, I do believe that companies are going to be it. I do not believe that the agent will be it. I believe agents will eliminate each other. I don't believe, and I believe that your employees will eliminate you um, quicker than your outside competition will. Interesting. Interesting. Well, loyal listeners, we've been talking for about 13 minutes now, and we haven't even touched quoting and closing <laughs> the sale. So let's go ahead and get into the meat Sorry. of this chapter. No, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. All right. So you start off talking about the process of quoting commercial lines, which, by the way, if I haven't say it now or before, I'll say it now. Everyone needs to eliminate the word quote or quoting from their vocabulary. Yeah. You need to use the word proposal or proposing because quoting is when you give someone a price. And what we as independent insurance agents need to do is propose because that's when you put forward something for someone to consider or discuss with you. And it's a soapbox issue for me. So I apologize. It is. You but, have talked about that a long time, Josh. Yeah, That's a big deal to you. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> um, all right. So you begin by talking about how the typical process works, which is meeting a with the client at their location back in 2015. Mm -hmm. um, but you suggest to the reader that instead you can do a video conference using Skype, which now we have many different options besides Skype. Um, and since we're in the midst of COVID-19, which if you're listening to this in the future and not in July, 2020 may not be as fresh on your mind as it is today. Um, this has not only become the norm, but it may be the only way to meet with someone because you're just not allowed to meet with them, um, at the moment. So you go on to kind of provide a step-by-step -step process of how you go through, uh, for the modern customer experience. And so kind of went through and summarized your ideal way back in 2015. So this is what you would say. You set up a video call with the prospect via Skype. You would go over your, your USP, find out how you can help them, meet them at their location to do an inspection, and make sure you bring your tablet or your phone to take pictures, to upload them to either Google Drive or Dropbox. 
You'll then go and either fill out the application on the company website and generally have a quote back in a few hours, or if it's a little more complex, you can complete court forms in your AMS. You then present the quote to the prospect in person by using a tablet or let's be honest, it's really an iPad. Uh, make sure to use mirroring so that the prospect can't go directly to the end to see and you recommend using PowerPoint or Prezi for the presentation. Now, once the, pro uh, the prospect has accepted the proposal, you email them through an e-signature, e which back in 2015 generally was DocuSign. Now we have a lot more options. And then once you have the email signature company sent back um, everything, it goes directly into your AMS. So that was a process back in 2015. And now five years later, how has that process changed for TIA? And how is, should that process be changing for the loyal listeners? Well, there's a lot of steps in there. So I'll be honest, there's still a lot of that we still do. Um, and probably some of it we should change. Exa example, uh, G Drive, just in Mastermind uh, last week, we had a big conversation against Office 365 um, versus G Drive because a lot of people we found out have Office 365, but they still use Dropbox. They still use G Drive. But we never changed really to OneDrive, right? So right. it's kind of weird. We need to do that, and we haven't done that. Uh, the video proposal, the video call, you know, dropping somebody a video when you're prospecting, that's like Loom, and that's uh, Advisors Evolved uh, quote vids now. But I just right. want to just put for the record that Cast Dog was doing this long time, put in the book here before quote vids came out and the others. Um, because we were, and I was doing this back in 07, 08. I mean, before, I mean, it was grainy video and I would upload it. I had to upload it from my phone because I didn't have a camera that was good enough that could record me like a webcam. My phone, my mm -hmm. phone was better. So I would record myself and then I would upload it directly to YouTube. And then I would jump on the computer and try to send it out to like, to, to emails of, of the people. Cause we didn't have Facebook and then we did, but a lot of people weren't using it. So, right. so, so I was still doing that stuff. That stuff still works. It's still, it needs to be put on steroids. When I talk about a lot of, uh, first of all, I hope few agents are doing all of that. Okay. That is a process there that needs to be broke down into like getting documents signed. Back when I wrote this book, it was me and Lori. So I was probably doing a lot of this stuff, but you shouldn't be doing it today. I would say that a lot of that needs to be cut out. Um, Okay. And, and cut out of their life. Um, I would also be curious as to I skipped over a whole part there, which was, you know, I went from sending the information off out of the accords to delivering the proposal. And we all know that a big nightmare of that is that in between, right? And trying to track that. Um, and if you're a loyal listener, you heard me say a long time ago um, about the fact that we send off our accord forms. And we send them off off into the abyss. Okay, so I'm I'm, I'm quoting this uh, this uh, heating and air conditioning person, and I do all the accords for the general liability property, all that, and I send it off, and like I just sit there. This is what agents have always done. We just sit there. <laughs> it could be a week. It could be three weeks. You really don't know when you're going to get no. this when you're going to get this proposal back. And I said a long time ago, a guy by the name of Matt. Something I can't think of was what his name was. He was down at Ivan's. It was about 2014, 2013. He said, 
you know, how do you guys track your submissions? And we went through this long story in front of all the Ivan's board. And finally, he and we said, yeah, we'd love to be able to send a link and, and, and track it with that link, you know, it'd be awesome. And, and it'd be one link for ABC insurance, our ABC um, excavating company. We send that off. And at any time I could click that link and see where all the submissions were in the process and where they were. And he sat there and he was like, wow, that seems crazy to you guys, doesn't it? And this guy, we had, the Ivans had just hired him from like Apple Oracle, one, one of those things. <clears throat> and we said, yeah, we just don't know how that can happen. And he said, well, that's weird. UPS does it with their packages and um, Domino's does it. You can watch your pizza be made, but yet you're telling me that we can't track a submission. I want to let you know that for the first time a week ago this last Friday, uh, I can't remember the exact date, but the week ago this last Friday, today is the 15th, as Josh said earlier, I watched Neon and I watched them send a submission mm -hmm. with a link that tracks that submission with every carrier and every, every submission with every carrier. And when I click that link, I can see where it's at in the process. I can see it and keep in mind, it's all one link. And so when it's individualized per the company, it's all done behind the scenes and everything links back to that link. I know right now you're sitting here listening to this, loyal listeners. Right now, if you're listening in 2020, you're going, what the hell is he talking about? If you're listening in 2022, you're going, oh, wow, Cass, most people have this. And you're listening in 2025, you're going to say, Cass, that was old news. I can't believe that was such a big deal to you. But that is the deal. It's here. Neon has allowed all that to happen. Neon has wow. allowed all that to track. I mean, I'm going to tell you, I about crapped myself, Josh, when I saw this. It was like, holy cow, because this was the dream that I had from very, very far back. I just wasn't smart enough to put it into a system. So as I can say, I think a lot of that needs to go away, and it can. I think in the management systems of today, in the process of today, it can't be done. So a lot of that is still being done, and I'm going to tell you right now, Josh, this is my opinion. I want to hear yours. I'm going to say... 50, 30 to 40% of that is done from other agents. Most agents don't do that or a process, meaning they don't do the DocuSign. They either don't do the video. They don't do something like that. Most of that stuff is not done anyways. If they did, they'd be rock stars because that's what I used to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I would say that um, less than 25% of agents do do it all. I mean, for a lot of agencies, either it's a if you're a larger agency and you've been successful, why change? Um, also, the cost to implement some of these things, they're going to say, why Why should we do it? Um, and they just haven't been given the information or shown the data. I think that that is a big thing that sometimes agents will not do something because they don't have the data to back it up. And sometimes they don't want to be that first one that goes out, gets bloody, uh, trying to figure it all out and then just have their team give up on them and say, nope, we're not doing this. We're going back to the way. So I, I would say less than 25%. When the really data good. is known, this sucker gets real. Oh, yeah. This yeah, sucker I mean, gets real, real. Like real, yeah. real, as in the bullshitters will be known. You know, mm -hmm. um, uh, there's a show. I can't remember the show I was watching. And uh, it's this show that's it's a futuristic show and I don't like futuristic shows, but I just happen to be watching this one and they, they can talk to each other through their brains without saying anything. Like I could say something to you, Josh, or I could send you an image that I'm thinking and you could open your head and I could shoot it to you. Right. And it was interesting because somebody in the show said, you know, um, back in the day, they used to be able to lie to each other. 
But when people can read what my, what your mind's saying, people who lie are done. That's how data is. Mm-hmm. People that actually get their data and can control their data and use their data to tell a story of their agency and what their daily operations look like with their carriers, the interactions with their with their customers. Oh shit. Oh crap. All these dudes sitting in the mastermind, half of them are lying. I know mastermind members are, 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 you are, I mean, we're all lying about certain things. I can get most of us to lie right now. Watch this, Josh. Um, For everybody who is listening to this, I want you to stop for a second and just think of a number in your head. I want you to tell me in your brain what your retention ratio is. Tell me what your retention is in your head right now. Okay. In three seconds. One, two, three. Most of you were lying because no one has it measured. And we're all coming up with a bunch of bullshit. We're all like, oh, mine's 93. Oh, mine's 87.2. And it's like, folks, most of you have no way of keeping track of that. So you just lied. The people who have the data and then you can prove it, the carriers are going to go, whoa, 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 whoa. That means a lot. The people who have the data and can prove it, people who are buying your agency are going to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. They can prove it. That means a lot. Right. See, this kind of stuff matters, dude. And right now this is like, Oh, it's no big deal. Yeah, I'm telling you, this is when the nuts start getting cut when when this stuff happens. Go ahead. Oh yeah, I mean, that, you know, Steve, Ooh. my father in the in the office, he will, you know, he'll ask me. We'll be discussing some idea, and he'll say, you know what, we should, you know, put it out in these different groups, Facebook groups that we're part of, to kind of get people's opinions or you know what they have to say on it. And generally, my response is, why? No one's going to actually know. They're just going to make something up. It's like, okay, how, what is, you know, your, your closing ratio? Oh, it's, it's 70%. Well, is it really 70%? Yeah. They don't, no one actually tracks it. And yeah, they're just and, pulling. And, and unless you created a process or a software that's outside the box, no management system can truly give that to you. The best that's person true. I've ever seen are Hawksoft. Hawksoft users have incredible reports. And the reason is, is it's a very uh, clickish type of, of software. You have to click to do anything. It's kind of cumbersome, but at the end of the day, they provide some of the best reports. But even being with my buddy Cookie and looking at his, he has unbelievable yeah. reports because he is a best practices agency. But we still will look through his data and find out little things here or little things there that, oh, that was a rewrite, but it's still not being counted. So there's little bitty things. That should be an easy thing. The information is going in. We know it, right? So, yeah. Exactly. And here's the deal. The carriers know it about us. And the day that we have the data and we can turn it around to them, that's the day Mm -hmm. shit changes. Exactly. All right. So let's go ahead and move on to what I actually deal with on a daily basis, which is personal lines. So you talk about the key to making a customer happy in personal lines is essentially speed, how quickly you can get it done um, in the book. At least that's what I Mm -hmm. gathered from it. So here's what I want to ask you before we get into what's actually in the book. Do you believe, and this is when you had talked about um, your employees being uh, affected by the modern customer experience. Do you believe that an agency should find the best insurance for a prospect? regardless of how it impacts the agency. And what I mean by this is if an agent has two options, mm-hmm. one is a slightly better fit. However, you decide what that slightly better fit is. It could be price, coverage, or claims. But working with that insurance company is extremely difficult for the agent or the agent's team members. Then the other one, 
what should the agent do? Should it always be what is absolutely best for the client? Or do you also have to take into consideration your employees and what is best for them as well? Yeah. Wow. Great question, Josh. Um, okay. So this really truly can be answered. So I'm giving a disclaimer here to anybody watching this. You're like, oh, that our listeners, oh, that doesn't have to do with me. It depends on your agency. Greatly mm-hmm. it depends on your agency. My answer may be different than Josh's. Um, I'm the same way with quoting. Okay. So, so if I, if I get a quote and I know Travis is way, I know Sarah's this way that oh, Pam, we talk about this a lot. You get a quote that comes in and um, the VAs give it back. It's pretty, all the reports have been run. Everything's good. And you've got three carriers that are the top for, let's say, one, two, three, four. doesn't matter. And you see that one or two carriers that you know is a butthead to get a, to get a true rate from. You mm-hmm. know they truly are. Like you get a rate and as long as it's in that hour – the rate will be the same. But if you go tweak one little thing, it's going to this, this, that, boom. And then when right. we go to service it, you always have to have your own user ID login. And if you ever tries to use somebody else, and then if you do have to call customer service, they're all out of Ireland. I'm trying not to say the name of the company, but if you guys have them, you know they're out of Ireland and they're just absolutely terrible at this stuff. So me personally, when it comes to me, I'm ignoring that company unless they are so cheap in price, it's ridiculous. Like I'm talking five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars less than everybody else on a twenty-five hundred dollar um, policy. Then I'll think about saying, and then I still give it back to my head CSR and say, I, I, I'm, I'm lost. It looks like it's going to be this capital A company, um, and that's just the way that it's going to be. So yes, we do think of that. Um, I do. And I know my staff does. We go to the avenue of least resistance. Most people would lie if they say they didn't. The thing is, we don't have the true data other than, well, it's easier to use and sometimes it's not. There is one that you and I talk about a lot, Josh, um, that is a very, very great carrier. Love them to death. I think what we're going to find out, and this is where Neon is the, is the, is the, is the, is the equalizer, dude. I think we're going to start to find out after we can track it, and we're starting now, that you can start to see the companies that provide you the biggest incentives to write business are the ones that are costing you the most on service. And they know mm. it. And they know it. They know it. Mm. That's why they do it. And we think they do it because they love us. But there's carriers out there that realize that their systems are old, their processes are old school thinking. And in order to get us to do it, we re- they realize it's more work for them, so they compensate us this way. But what we're going to be able to do is we're going to be able to put a number to that. And we're going to be able to say, no, 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 no. Of my payroll on a given month, you're responsible for 6% of it, as opposed to the other companies are only responsible for 2 or 3% of it. Why is that? Well, let's start going and looking at how long it takes us to process an endorsement, how long it takes us to get through your quoting platform. It's obviously not my my employees because they can get through every other quoting platform in an average of 11 minutes, but it takes them 18 minutes on yours. And all my employees are doing that. I mean, start thinking about this, dude. This is like ginormous information that they have. And where it even gets more important is is it's going to be such great information that the insurance companies are going to want to buy it from us. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's huge money there. So going back to where it is, yeah, we try to ignore that. Um, we do have a rule here in our agency that everything has to be even before we think about us. So we're gotcha. really, really big on this. 
So if everybody's about the same price, coverages are there. I mean, if it's Erie, coverages aren't there because Erie's coverages are better than everybody else. But right. but if but if everybody else is right there, prices within two, three, four hundred bucks of each other. This one has this bell, this whistle. My my staff is instructed to do what's best for us at that point in time. What yeah. does that mean? Who's going to be the easiest to service it? Who's going to are are we paying ten percent on new business and eight on renewal? Um, because that because that's going to be a big difference between fifteen and fifteen. Are their rates steady? Are we going to have to move them next year? And these are all the things that we go through. But here's the thing: we're all making it up in our head, Josh. We're all making yep, it up in are. our head. What Sarah's thinking is totally different than what Pam's thinking. It's just mm-hmm. like whatever experience they've had. So go ahead. Talk. Right. Yeah. No. 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 Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing that that jumped into my mind was something that. Um, uh, Joey Jingola would always say is with him being a health guy is he doesn't understand how in the PNC world, how you have to get appointed with every carrier and how he can use whoever. So it would be interesting to see if in the future, you no longer had to worry about, can I get an appointment with company XYZ? You're just able to go to them and be able to, uh, to get them, which would be phenomenal and then make it better for the consumer. I think one thing that Neon is going to do as well um, with being able to not only track and hopefully my thinking is correct, I'll be able to track how much an insurance company is costing you, but how much is a client costing you? Mm -hmm. How much is that one client, even if they are paying, you know, uh, the agency five to $10,000 in revenue, not premium, but revenue a year, but they are actually costing you either that or more in the amount of work. So being able to do that. We just so, wrote that big account and we're trying to ax about seven to $8,000 in, in revenue. What I mean by that is Travis and I wrote this huge account. We're trying to go mm-hmm. find seven to $8,000 in revenue that we can get mm-hmm. rid of. Our only data factor right now, Travis and I, I, I we're going with this right now. Travis yeah. and I are trying to figure out like what's our only data factor. We figured out our only data factor is who do we see on the caller ID the most. Mm-hmm. That's that's our own own data factor. But you know what? Here's what's amazing: if we say, "Oh, it's Jim Stevens," we can go to Jim Stevens and we can see all the times that they've called in. And I can literally right. count and go, "Okay, Jim Stevens has called in 13 times." Where the average agent, how, see, that's a report I want to run. How, right. how, what's the average phone calls, right? What's the average emails per people? That's where it goes back to that. And, and Neon keeps track of all that from day one. And the yeah. cool thing is, is people would say, well, yeah, a lot of management systems will keep track of this or that. The problem is you don't know where to go. And, mm-hmm. and that's the beautiful thing about, and I'm going to get off. We'll go to the next one. That's yep. the beautiful thing about Neon is that you, Josh, this is unbelievable. This is unbelievable about Neon. Yeah. There's no training. There's no training. You don't have to be trained. Now, if you're going to do accounting, okay, there's systematic things. But if you're using it for your top 10 to 15, most things you do in your agency, there's no training. You sit down and Mm -hmm. and when the phone rings, you hit new case. That's it. You have to be new case. And then the system will ask you all the questions with like intelligent logic. And so yeah. it asks you, and if you need something from Neon, voom, it brings it to you. If Oh, no, that's a policy thing you need from Varuna. Voom, it brings it to you. You don't have to go click over here to go over to the Varuna side outside of Neon. No, it just brings it to you and you just answer the questions. Now, now your training may be, hey, what does it mean if it's a rewrite versus new business, right? That may be your training. 
but how to go through the system, no training. Interesting. No training. Interesting. Are, are you freaking shitting me? I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah. All right. Sorry. You want to talk. Yeah. All right. So as we continue to go through the book, you talk about how it's important to drive the prospect to your website, which back in 2015 was still a thing, which um, interestingly enough, uh, you, we've talked about Advisor Evolved a lot. Um, some of you may know that I have uh, my website through Advisor Evolved, and I was actually the first agency to sign up with Advisor Evolved. And today is the five-year anniversary of my website going live. Wow. So 2015, 2015. Yep. That's cool, dude. Yeah. Yeah. So big day, big day. Um, all right. So you were driving the prospect to the website. Then you talk about the prospect being able to get a quote themselves. Then you call to confirm. You talk about creating a fillable form that, um, along with offering online ch chat, helps to facilitate the process. So in 2015, that was a fairly new concept. In 2020, it's not. But I still don't think a lot of people have adopted it. Um, so do you think if you and I have this conversation in five years, so we're in 2025, that it will we'll be at a place where it's more common for a prospect to go online, get a price, and then have the agent call to close a sale? Or do you think we'll still be at a place where agents are requiring people to either to call in on the phone or even meet in person? Um, yeah, I think they'll be offering it all for a really, really long time. I just really think it's funny that we keep competing against. We talked about this in the other podcast, but we talk, we keep competing against uh, those. I'd tell you one thing I think that we were wrong about. And that was Consumer Agency Portal, which is now TrustedChoice.com. Not so wrong about them. I'm talking about we were wrong in the fact that after our research showed that 75% of people want to go online to get a quote, but only 25% um, of them purchase there. The rest want to come in or they want to call and deal with an independent insurance agent or a state farm agent of some type. Um, right. I believe that we bought into our own bullshit. Um, I believe that here we are seven, eight, ten years later, and we um, still only have around 32 to 33, 30% market share. It was yep. Back then, about the same. So we've mm -hmm. tried all this stuff. What we don't understand is, is we just need to stay in our lane. People do business with us because they value the relationship. They value the fact that they're lazy and they can just pick up the phone Sometimes we sit, want to send them links and say, hey, just put the information in there. It'll come quicker. No, nah, I'm on the phone. Hey, when's your when's my payment due? Well, you could just call the company. Nah, I like to call you. I mean, there's just people that like to do that. And I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of people that like to do that. And one of the things we've even talked about, which is the truth, and we know this, is that as people get more professional, they buy less or that they are going to be buying less online. I mean, they just really, really do. Do I not say, am I not saying that there's a way that someone could create this to where they could do it in two seconds and eliminate us? In the prior podcast, I talked about being able to have all the information that is in your cell phone, that whenever your bill comes due, you hit a button and boom, it gives you all new quotes instantly in like 10 seconds. You can mm -hmm. come up with some stuff like that. I mean, hell, I'm an insurance agent. I'll be quoting my insurance every once in a while, right? No, I'm, I'm, I'm getting, it. I, I get it. You, you know, there's, there's limits to this. But what I'm saying is, is I think that's where it's going to change. Is, um, I think you're going to, we're going to get, we're going to go to polar opposites. We're going to have just high, high, high quoting online, and then we're going to have still those people who still want to value a relationship with an agent. 
And I believe there are 15 and 10-year-old kids right now that will value that relationship with that agent when they're 25, 30, 40, and 50. It's just, it's going to look differently. There's going to be AI technology. There's going to be deep learning. There's going to be some other things that are going to be mixed in there, things that we can't even fathom today. But I think uh, that's still going to become, we're we're not going to become less litigious. Mm -hmm. Okay. We're only going to become more. So going to need to have insurance. Yeah. All good. All good. And things like COVID. Yeah, exactly. Completely unpredictable. Um, So let's go ahead and finish up this chapter by something that changed how I approached insurance. Uh, And this was something that I learned about prior to reading your book. And I was happy to see that it was included as part of the book. And it's from the Dynamics of Selling Sales Process, which I believe is from the National Alliance. Mm Um, and it talks about the four main factors in the sales and customer service process. So for the loyal listeners who aren't familiar, here's the four processes or the four factors. Price, that's controlled by the insurance company. And for personal lines, it's completely controlled. And for the most part, commercial lines, we do have credits we can play with. Second is coverage. That is completely controlled by the insurance company. We do not do not have any control over what coverages are available. And then we have service, and this is the 80-20 rule. 80% of it is controlled by the company and 20% by the agent, even though we want to, as the agent, think we control more than that. The final one is the relationship, which we've been talking about. Now, this is our trump card, and I don't mean our current president. This is the agent's time to shine, and we control the relationship between us and the client. Now, what I love about the next thing you said in the book is how 70% of the sale and the service is controlled by the company, which leaves 30% to the agent. And that instantly made me think about baseball. You and I are huge baseball fans, Mm -hmm. Dodgers, Cardinals, and how in baseball, you want to be a 300 hitter and how the top hitters always hit above 300. And I believe that's how the top agencies are. They hit above 300, but they do everything that they can to increase that percentage from 30 from 300 to 400 500 or even 500 which eats into the how the book talks about how the company controls 70% and how the agent can continue to increase what they have so with all that said and I know you have a producer in your agency I believe his name is Joe who changed how you do personal lines what type of automations does Joe use when he's going through the quote proposal prospect with a prospect um Okay, well, interesting. Um, it's really, really crazy that I think that of the price coverage service relationship, I have learned in hyper niche focused commercial lines, mm-hmm. you actually can control almost all of the service card, which is pretty cool. And you can actually affect the price on the worker's comp. You cannot directly affect it. That you can. So I thought that was very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I all this stuff, dude. I totally, totally forgot about the four cards of selling. And right. um, yeah, it's something I got to teach my producer. Anyways, um, I totally forgot about it. Uh, Joe uses a lot of automation when it comes to, for instance, when they call in, and he's going to determine whether it is going to be a cheap. Um, Somebody who's just wanting an auto with an SR-22, that's a state filing. Uh, If it's going to be that, then what he's going to do is, is how did I fail? How did that person call me and not find us online first? But because they did and I'm going to redirect them, they're going to go online. 
Here's a link you can fill out. We have an online rater. Um, I think the only reason why we have an online rater is strictly so that we have people. Billy Williams taught me a long time ago, if you have people that you think are going to waste your time, don't give them time to waste. Give them easy. So give them the link. Let them go put in the information. If they back out halfway through, they wasted their own time, not yours, right? Um, if you got those people who, who need more time, give them that time. Um, and so he would be wondering about that. If it's, let's say if it's not an SR22, but it's just coming in, they called in or maybe they said, hey, we need a quote online. And he reaches out back out to them. He's using Zapier to keep that connected um, to our teams. Uh, to, Zapier would put in a teams in one of our teams. We have indoor lead, uh, indoor inbound leads. Uh, so th those, uh, those are there. Uh, he uses things called Canopy Connect, which allows him to pull um, the declaration pages of, of, of some of the people who are calling in. Um, so that it allows him to uh, have to ask less information. One of the things that we still do is that if we realize that they are above average or a preferred client, we want to spend 15 to 20 minutes with them on the phone. So with those type of clients, we have a much more hands-on personal um, feel and touch. You have to understand that sometimes when someone calls you, that doesn't necessarily mean that they want to talk to you. Sometimes they just don't know how to find your services of where they can do it themselves. So I think we're making a big mistake in today's world by not at least offering that. In the past, it used to be, oh, yeah, hey, I can take your information or I can um, give you this link so you can go somewhere else. We saw that as like pawning people off or something. Now, yep. if, you, if you change your mindset, it's, hey, half the people that call in wish they could just do this themselves. The other half still want us to do it. If you want, I can send you a link and you can fill out the information and you'll get the service done a lot faster. What was the one you did? What was it called? Lipstone Serve Express? Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on-hand VAs actually merged? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers. And I said to him, dude, what's up? You realize you're not a VA, right? He said, what do you mean? I said, you're a VE. Look it up on ChatGPT. I encourage you to do that too. He's got forward-facing VEs. VEs that can answer the phone and take questions 30 days in. You say yes to Michael. I want what you have. In 30 days, that's what he delivers. I said, Michael, this is unbelievable. We're strong in the front, but we're really strong in the back end. You provide the external VE for us. We provide the internal VE. I looked at him. I said, buddy, let's do this together. Let's, let's do this. And he looked at me and he put out his hand and like a good solid Cuban American, he said, Jason, I'm committed. Let's do it. And that's what we did. We flew to Columbia. We saw his operation and you need to see it too. Give us a little click at virtual Intel. That's with two L's. That's virtual I N T E L L dot com. Go check us out. See what we're doing. High quality VEs mixed with technology delivered right into your agency. And you don't have to do all the things that you don't like to do, like hiring, firing, requiring, recreating, trying to find processes. Just there's so much stuff. I can't even say it right. That's right. Virtual Intel cast certified. Oh yeah, LIT Express. LIT, uh, dude, I thought it was great. I, I really yeah. do. I think that's great. Yeah. Um, but anything, so we do things like that. Um, yes, we do use a raider um, when it comes to that. Uh, when you if you do Erie, they're not in the raider, so we have to do Raider right. plus Erie. Um, so uh, 
So, I mean, I'm just going to say that we do use DocuSign. We do use, um, when we're doing communication, we use Podium. That's how we communicate with them. Very rarely, only on the SR22s, and that's not a rule. It's just that we find ourselves doing this. The SR22s, we will send usually the, the uh, proposal, Josh, uh, through, uh, through them. So we will send the proposal and have them uh, look at it through there. Uh, we track them. We do Google reviews through Podium. Um, so all that different types of jazz is, is what we're doing there. I wish we could do more, um, but, uh, you know, we believe in the last two to three years, which is different from when I wrote this book, we believe in the fact that we want to go after a preferred clientele who calls us on the phone and gives us 15 to 20 minutes of their time. That's who we're looking for because besides that, we're looking for large whales. Yeah. That's us. Yeah, I mean, technology should not replace the relationship. It should enhance the relationship. 100%. All right, well, good stuff, man. Uh, let's go ahead and head over to Chapter 13, Onboarding and Servicing simple and profitable. And so I want to try to sum this up in one sentence. And Jason, please tell me if I'm wrong. Automation and processes will be the only way to be profitable. And without them, you're running around in the dark. I would say that that's true. Okay. I, I, I don't want to say today it's the only way to be profitable, but I'm going to tell you those who are using automation are much more profitable. Right. But sometimes they use automation not to be profitable. It's because they're going after a type of business that requires a lot of work. Right. Just like we were talking about high, high, uh, non-standard business, constantly rewriting, requoting, moving, all that different types of stuff like that. That That's going to uh, that has to be automated. Once yeah. Going after the preferred. Not so much. I see it. Remember it. Well, we'll talk about it now. But in the four models that I give at the um, in the great separator. Going from left to right, the farther to the right you are, the more automated you are. And I yep. believe that those are the agencies. And we are starting to see that people who are in the first model, and we'll discuss this later, Josh, if so be, the people who are in the first model are less automated, but they have the most stress in today's world. So we're all trying to move. Maybe you go to the far right, maybe you get in the middle, and that's as much as you want. But what is it? It's called traditional, model, modern, hybrid, and automated. I think we've got okay. four different types that I'm creating in the book. Okay, cool. Well, now the first thing you mentioned in this chapter is about an agent in the state of Washington that contacts her clients 18 to 20 times per year. Can I take a guess yeah. and say that that's the legendary Claudia McLean? 100% Claudia McLean. Okay. So the reason I wanted to mention her by name is because of the longevity of her success. So her agency has been around for many years. She's not a brand new agent um, who's only been doing this a couple of years with success, but an agent who is consistently performed at the highest level. And so that can prove to you as a new agency owner or a new agent that you don't have to all of a sudden implement every single automation into your agency to be successful. You can complement it with other services. So now a lot of what we're going to discuss in this chapter has to do with our AMS, because as I said in a prior episode, it's the lifeblood of the agency. And in 2015, that's all that we had. We didn't have the idea of neon that would have taken it the one step further. And you talk about in the book about an AMS that will help to trigger a welcome packet. Um, and so here's what you had included as part of your welcome packet. It was a thank you and welcome message, contact information for the agency and company, details on how to download your mobile app, information about your agency's mission and community involvement, 
different ways to connect through things like social media, the different customer service options that you had, such as chat, email, and phone, and then the self-service programs like payments and COIs. So one thing that you mentioned in the book that was a big topic back in 2015 was the debate about whether an AMS should do everything or only be an AMS, which sounds kind of obvious. But there were some people who felt that having your tech stack, which wasn't even a concept in 2015, to be as short as possible compared to what I'm going to call a skyscraper for for your tech stack. So back in 2015, if you could have used a magic bullet or waved a wand to have your wish granted, would you have wanted an AMS that did everything or would you rather have had multiple systems that specialized in one thing and they all work together? Now, in 2020, uh, Neon will probably be able to do all of this. But back in 2015, so the list- loyal listeners can kind of get an idea of what you were thinking back in 2015. Do you want the AMS to do it all or do you want it to work with other things to, to make it an easy process? Mm, tough, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the ultimate question. Me, preferably... I mm-hmm. want to be able to build my own, right? It's just me. Um, not picking on them, just being being truthful. It's tough to say to anybody listening, it's tough to say, well, I want an AMS. I want to do my own, okay? Majority of you on here are saying to yourself, I want the AMS to do everything. And some of you are like, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. You like that concept, no, I don't. No, I don't, Jason. You like Apple, right? This is what Apple is. Like, it's we can do it better than everybody else. So, like, mm-hmm. if you want to charge your phone, you got to have the Apple charger. I mean, seriously, right. it comes down to that, you know? So, that person in me says no, right? I don't mm-hmm. like that. Now, fast forward to where I am today. I think I still would have been felt that way. Um, I didn't really completely understand APIs and connections in marketplaces either, dude. Even with iStore and Google Play, what got it into me is when I was with AMS 360 and I went to Mark uh, Mark, Mark Malis at QQ Solutions and I said, you know, that'd be really cool if my phone rang and somehow it put it into my system. And he was like, oh yeah, check this out. And I went to this marketplace and there was like 10, 15 products in there that I could hook up into my system. One of them was rocket referrals. And I was like, wow, okay, so if I get this, you mean I don't even, when download comes in, it automatically just sends the card out? And he's like, yeah, and it hooks up. To me, that was mind-blowing. That was like 2012, 2013. So from there on out, boom, I was a believer that you that you needed to have um, that you needed to have that syncing and 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 now today our problem is technology stack. Our problem is is that I do have advisor evolved, even though their website they have, they have a bunch of G Suite or they have a bunch of sweet stuff. Um, I do have Podium in there. I do have Active Campaign in there, Office 365. Um, list goes on and on and on on all these things that we're using. And it's a nightmare. So the in-between is the API, and that's where I like. Once again, you can kind of see why I'm going to Salesforce because it has that marketplace. It'll, right. But I like it because it allows me to connect it into my own system. So so did the others, right? Yeah, but it was different. That was still, I had to get, it, it's just really, really tough to say. Like Insurance Mobile App, they hooked into my system. They're also going to hook into my Salesforce. 
And the Salesforce integration is a lot easier and is a lot smoother and it's right inside of my Neon. So I didn't have to, like right now with my account, I have to go outside to a website and then that's like my dashboard for that. I need all that stuff brought into my system so I don't have to go anywhere except in my system and I'm going to my whole technology stack. And if one thing breaks over here or one person changes their API, that's got to be that's got to be changed to other places. A lot of that, not all of it, not all of it, but a lot of that is eliminated whenever you start to come into it. For instance, my phone system worked with QQ. Okay, it does now. Lightspeed Voice's phone system works with QQ. Mm -hmm. If for some reason Lightspeed Voice redoes their API or they decide to to fix it, I don't have to really worry about that. Sometimes I do, especially if you've got – never mind. You just got to wipe out what I'm saying because – it's confusing to the listeners because some of this stuff is legit in the way that the companies and the, and the vendors work together, and then right. some of it's not. That kind of goes to the whole what we're talking about here, you know? Right. Is, and seriously, in three, four, five years, this is not going to be an issue. This is not going to be an issue, and it's not because – it's because of Neon, but everybody mm -hmm. won't be on Neon. Seth has said over and over he can't wait for the first person to become competitors in Neon because then that's what then that starts. I can't wait until I had a lot of podcasters because then that helps amplify the voice and helps the forward momentum change more. We can't wait till we have more Neon competitors because then that makes more people aware, but also it starts to make Neon better. Like, whoa, holy right. cow, look how they're doing it. Let's let's copy off them. To end it, yes, I thought then, and yes, I still think now that you need to have your own um, because it just does. Uh, Applied. Applied is great. They, they have a good system. I've said all the time, I beat up on Applied. I, I do, but I've said it over and over again. They have the best system on the planet if you like everything encapsulated into one. But if you've ever used their mobile app, it blows. Yeah. It blows, but it is synced. You get a lot of data in it, but the damn thing blows, you know, and it's like, who invented this? So anyways, there we go. Yeah. So another thing that all agencies in 2020 should be doing is offering EFT to their clients. This is the next part of the book. And this shouldn't have been discussion back in 2015, but it was, <laughs> and it definitely shouldn't be a discussion in 2020. So, oh, yeah. um, you know, to me, the the only two options you should ever offer a personal lines client, um, and I guess I have to take the that that last statement back a little bit. The only two payment options you should ever offer a personal lines client is either to pay in full, and if you can, send them up on an annual EFT, or to do a monthly EFT. Mm -hmm. It's going to eliminate billing questions, which gets back to the title of this chapter and being profitable. Because billing takes away from profit. Mm -hmm. All right. So you end this chapter about talking, discussing outsourcing, how much time, money, and effort it can save an agency. So back in 2015 mm -hmm. and up until recently, you'd use Marblebox mm -hmm. for this, but recently you changed over to agency VA, mm -hmm. which is a sponsor of the mastermind. So shout out to friend of the podcast, Wesley Anderson. So for the loyal listeners, what are some of the things that agencies should use a VA or an outsource company like Marblebox for? And what is TIA specifically using agency VA for right now? Yeah, sweet, dude. Sweet. I can keep this one simple, hopefully not long, but I can keep it simple. 
Um, picture this. A lot of people understand a job site and we're building a house, right? Uh-huh. So we have general contractors who are head of all the subs. And then we have subcontractors. We have framers and we have finishers. Okay. Now we have electricians and all that other stuff, but we're just going to talk about the people building. Okay. We have framers and we have finishers. Me, I know how to build a lot of things, but I'm a framer. Like it's, it's, I can build it, but it's not going to really look real pretty, you know, and like real smooth and 90 degree angles and stuff. But there's some dudes who are like, they can't even frame because they're so worried about everything being perfect, right? That's our framers and our finishers. Your GCs are your CSRs. Those are your CSRs. Those are your head people. They're in charge of dealing with getting all the subs, dealing with the vendors, dealing with uh, the clients, dealing with anybody that needs to be dealt with. And then they will decide what of that work needs to be dished off, okay? Inside of, of, of Neon, who's doing that work is created and done for us. Like we already know who that's going to be. Remember, as you're filling it out, it just tells you where stuff goes. So that is, 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 is that way. The framers are, in my opinion, a marble box, uh, a patra, a P-A-T-R-A, I believe. These are more team environments, okay? So they work really good with the Martian McLennans, the Brown and Browns, someone who's just doing heavy data entry, stuff you don't even have to think about. Like it's the same way every time. A, a, a policy comes in, it, it has a last name D, it goes here, right? That, that kind of stuff that basically – a computer has yet to learn how to do. And then your, your finishers are more of those people. Let me give you an example when it comes to quoting. So if I give Marblebox 10 quotes, they can get me back 10 quotes in a, in, in, by the end of that day. Okay. Yeah. That might be exaggerating, probably five, five or six, but let's just say 10. Okay. So 10, they can give us that, that day. If I give my two VAs 10 quotes, I'm probably going to get four. Because they work just like everybody else does. The team environment allows them to share and to maximize what each person is good at and to be able to compute that power out of there, right? The problem with it is you've got many different people touching it. You're going to have many different variations in a lot of different areas where that stuff is not congruent or the same. So what we did is we would take marble box, would take the quotes, do the quotes because they could get through them very fast. They would send them to the VA. The VA's job is to go through them, make sure everything's the same, make sure that they know the account and say, no, change this here, change that. So when they give it to the, to the sales staff, it's about 97 to 98% to where the person, the agent has to only look at two or three companies, go through it really quick and get on the phone to them. You got yeah. framers who can do things a lot. You've got your finishers who are fine tuners. And then you have your GCs who everything goes back to and is in control of it. Why did I get rid of Marblebox? I got rid of Marblebox because I started to figure out a lot of the stuff I didn't need from them was was in a team environment. So, for example, I was using them for about 80 hours, around 70 hours, sometimes 60, but around 80 hours um, during Erie contest times, dude, we were using for like 120, 140 hours a week. Wow. For real. Um, I mean, because you know how Erie contest is. It's like slamming and jamming. And so, yep. and plus you want to be tier four like Cass because when Cass, because when they create a contest, Cass is going to finish number one. That's just how it goes. But anyway, so, so whenever we're doing this, here's the deal. I have two full-time VAs and they, mm-hmm. they did the same job as two full-time. Oh, sorry. I had two 
I had 80 hours with Marblebox. And right. then I was using another VA for 30 hours with agency VA. I got mm -hmm. rid of Marblebox and I only have two agency VAs that work about 75 to 80 hours a week. So I was able to save 30 hours on that as well. And I think the reason was is because I had the framers doing a bunch of finishing jobs. It was taking them longer because they were so worried about Jason having their ass perfected because I was on them that it was just like it was taking them too long. I gave it to my agency VA. Now, what's the bad part of agency VA? I get five quotes in and I need to get them done ASAP. It's like, right. shit, we got to use uh, we got to use some of the GCs in that situation because I don't now have that computing power. Here's the deal. That probably happens a handful of times in a given year. I'm not going right. to deal with that and just order to do it. I think that agency VA, from what I've found, is a lot more accurate than the team environment at Marblebox. Gotcha. Well, good stuff. Um, so this brings us to chapter 14, which is cross-selling and referrals, automated growth. And you begin this chapter by talking about one of your, and I believe it's one of your most popular episodes that you did with Chuck Blondino, who mm -hmm. was in 2015, mm -hmm. and he may still be the director of marketing at Safeco Insurance. And here's what you said on page 107 of the book. He told me most agents only get about one out of 700 customers per month to give them a true referral. The top 25% of agents only get one out of 200 customers. The very best agents get one out of 85. So there are two things that I want to ask you about that statement. The first is, what is a referral? And the second is, do agents really receive referrals or is it really called something else? Yes, very good point. So I've just deciphered this in the last couple of years. I think it goes back to proactive and reactive. So people will say, oh, that's a, that's a referral. No, that's not a referral. Oh, that's a referral. I always like getting in those arguments because I like diffusing them really quickly. And the point mm -hmm. is you guys are arguing about what it is and what it isn't. We're never going to get to that. Let's just claim it to be something and then agree on that or disagree. So referrals are proactive or reactive. Here's the difference. The lady down the road, uh, Susan, is talking to Jim, who's my client, and she goes up to Jim and says, Jim, do you have anybody that uh, can help me with my insurance? I just got my Allstate bill in, and it, it went up like 27 actually $2.70. And because it did, I need to, to, to turn this in. You got anybody? That's down in the south for everybody. And Jim says, well, darling, I shall do. You ought to go up there and talk to Jason Cass up there at the insurance alliance. He still help you out. Now, he's from, that's kind of more like down by the bayou, down by Eric Garcia area. And, and, and she, guess what she does? She goes and she, she doesn't call me. The first thing she does is she goes and looks me up to figure out if I'm real or not. And then she calls me. That is a reactive referral. Gotcha. Jim calls me. Jim gets a quote. Jim adds or deletes an auto, whatever it can be. Mm -hmm. And Sheila happens to be walking down the street, walking her dog. And after he gets off the phone, he goes out there and says, you know what, Sheila, it's good to see you. I'll tell you what. Yep. Beautiful day out. Sun shining. I'll tell you what. I just got off the phone with my insurance agent. That Jason Cass, he's one of the nicest people in the damn world. I'll tell you what. If you ever have any issues, you need to give him a phone call. I've been with him for five, six, seven years. He's great. That's a proactive referral. And if you even want to take it one further, it's he said, and Sheila says, oh, well, my goodness, my insurance is coming up. 
Well, I tell you what, I'm going to tell him that I called you. That's a proactive referral. Very few of us are getting those. And in what we're talking about, a lot of agents think to themselves, I'm getting referrals. No, you're not. You just have somebody who happened to talk to you. It's kind of like, hey, the salads at Deerberg's are a lot better than Schnucks. Those are grocery stores around here for, for any of you guys. Yeah, but no one really referred them out, right? No one really referred them. They just know, they just know that one's better than the other. As opposed to saying, man, I'll tell you what, that romaine lettuce is fabulous. I've had it at both places. And Sheila, you need to go over to Deerberg's and check it out the next time before you do. I'm telling you, you're going to see a difference. That's a reactive, that's a, a proactive referral. So right. much is like that. We have reactive sales. We have proactive sales. We have reactive referrals. We have proactive referrals. We have reactive customer service. We have proactive customer service. So why is this not any different? So we need to break right. it down and call it what it is. The reason why they don't want to call it what it is is because most of them are reactive referrals and or referrals and not. How, how many times does someone call in? Hey, so how'd you find out about us? Which is what you shouldn't ask. You should say, who referred you to us because then that puts in the mind, wow, they must do a lot of referrals. But how'd you find out about us? Uh, I don't know, Google. Okay, well, actually, Google was a referrer, but that's a reactive referrer, right? It was sitting there waiting for you to ask, and then it did. But, oh, I'll tell you what, I was talking to Sheila down the road, and Sheila told me about you. Just going to ask you real quick, this is for our own marketing. Were you and Sheila happen to be passing by each other, or, or was it that time that we wowed Sheila and she happened to say something to you? I know it sounds goofy. I say that kind of stuff all the time. My staff thinks that I'm half crazy. I like I like when it's real early in the morning and someone calls in and I happen to answer the phone and they'll say, yeah, I have a question I need to ask you. I'll hit right back at them and say, nope, we don't ask your answer questions till at least noon. <laughs> I say that shit all the time. I, I mean, they just kind of sit there and I'm like, I'm joking with you. Anyway, so, but the point is, that's what I think he's distinguishing. And I'm even saying I think that he's probably talking about proactive referrals. I agree. Yeah. I agree. People do not get the referrals they think they do. Just no. Because Jim Bob is mentioned when you ask that question doesn't mean that Jim Bob referred you. Well, that actually leads us into the next story that's in the book. Um, so can you tell the loyal listeners, and they may have heard about this in the past, about the Facebook post where someone in your area was looking for a great local agent and I believe that one of the agents that you mentioned in this is Travis. Correct. And, and the question I also have, so I want you to tell the story, but then also, was this the time or, or around the time that you realized who Travis was and that you should start considering him as a business partner in a couple of years? No, it's totally, it, no, seriously, it's totally just by accident, but it's so funny because I didn't realize it till after him and I had gotten actually together that this was. So if you see a Facebook post, I'm sitting there and filling out some court apps or whatever. Lady by the name of Stacy Keith with JSJJ, uh, they uh, do a bunch of carpet cleaning, have a big franchise. She gets, uh, she posts in there. Does anybody have it or no? Stacy was actually the first person to refer me. I'm looking at a copy of the uh, Facebook post inside the book for all you loyal listeners. And mm -hmm. Stacy Keefe was the first one. So someone had went in there and said, hey, I need auto and home and life insurance. Can anybody refer me? And then Stacy Keefe uh, tags me in the post. And then as you guys know, because every time you're tagged, now it's going to show that, hey, that post, someone else mentioned you. Now, here's the deal. You can count them up as to how many times my name was mentioned. 
and or how many times people liked when my name was mentioned. There's five agents in this post that get mentioned. One is mentioned once, two are mentioned, or one is mentioned two times, one's mentioned three times, one's mentioned four times. I've already counted this up because I do this in my presentation. Um, one of the fifth agent is mentioned 18 times. And the 18 times the person that's mentioned to do business with in this per, is Jason. And the power of it, point of it is, is in 2012, I don't think you would get this today if you asked that same thing. No. I don't think you would. Because in mm -hmm. the power of 2012, uh, it, there was very few people out there that were doing this. Ironically enough, as you're pointing to, the agent who was mentioned four times, which was second best to me, was Travis Etheridge, who ended up being who is today my 50-50 business partner. And no, at the time, I knew that he was my competitor. And yes, I was trying to get his business, but not due to this. Uh, was it gotcha. his business? I was trying to get him to come work for me. Right. And I remember yeah. I used to go to Travis. He used to say to me every time, he'd be like, dude, you can't afford me. He's like, these people are paying me out the ass right now, dude. They cannot, you cannot afford me. And I couldn't at, at ever. But after a while, even though they were paying him out the butt, we find out that people try to pull the wool over our eyes by, by giving us money. It's like those carriers do with that service. Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing that happened to him. And now he comes over here and he makes way more money than he ever would have made there. And it's what we try to show every captive agent out there. But yeah, that is a great post. That is yeah. a great post. So is his, is his W2 bigger now than before? Yeah, you talk about yeah. So yours isn't, but no, my his yeah, no, my, no, mine's not. Uh, pretty close, pretty close. Um, <laughs> okay, from Tia. Uh, overall, it's probably combined. It is. Um, okay, you know one thing that's amazing about that. What's I that? had a guy by the name of Christopher Cook, mm -hmm. which is everybody knows. That's my buddy, and he comes from that great state you're in, Josh. And yes. and and I said, he said to me, he said, Cass. One day he told me this. He said, uh, I'm tired of you talking about your W-2. He said, because anybody who has any money or any wealth knows that a W-2 don't mean shit. It's your balance sheet that matters. I didn't really understand what he was saying a long time ago about that, but I do know what he's talking about that now. And that's the most important thing that you want to have is your balance sheet when it comes to your W-2. So while my W-2... Mm -hmm. may not be as big as it was before. It's my balance sheet. Now, why would people say that? Well, just as a little bit of a thing, if you're filed as an S-corp, you only have to take ordinary payroll, which is a certain amount, could be 60000 could be 70000 and anything over and above that you can take as a dividend, and you're not going to pay your FICA tax on it. So that's what I mean. So my mm -hmm. W-2 is always going to be lower, but even if we did straight up W-2 like you're talking about, yeah, pretty close to, but didn't as make as much money as I did in 2009. For everybody who's listening to this and says, I like what Cass is saying. And if I went on my own, I could do my own stuff. You can, but you're not going to make as much money as you did probably for the first five to 10 years. Because when you're a producer, you're making 50% or 40%, whatever you're making. I mean, um, yeah, yeah. Me, my, me personally, yeah. I still would have went on my own, but yeah. All right. So you also talk um, in this chapter about rock referrals and the they played kind of a huge role in your mm -hmm. success back in 2015. Mm -hmm. What did they offer that allowed you to be successful in obtaining referrals from your current clients? So I would say they really didn't. Interesting. Yeah. Right. So so I can't say they tied it to any referral. What they did is they gave me metrics on my agency. 
data. Yeah, data. It's so funny how these companies come out with these things that they think are the selling point, Podium. Podium comes out with reviews, right? Which I think that they're great at their reviews. We don't get many reviews off of them. We get a shitload of inbound leads. They're like, well, we didn't even make it for inbound leads. Well, that's what it became. Rocket referrals, same thing. I use them for cards. I love their welcome cards. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and in an agency where there was little automation at the time, keep in mind when we were writing this book, Zapier was like a thing probably, but like nobody hardly knew about it. Um, right. I needed a way that every time we wrote a new customer, we could send you them a thank you card or a birthday card. And we just didn't have the manpower, we're, we're, nor were we at the time have a good enough process to do that. I didn't have to have any of that with Rocket Referrals. I just hooked it up and boom, 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 it went out. I liked that because I liked going to the basketball game at the local high school and a guy said to me, hey, I got your birthday card today. And I'm looking at him. I don't even know who the hell that dude is. You know, I <laughs> like that stuff. I like yeah. that they do that because they don't know that. But I know that. I don't know who they are, but they think I know who they are. So, you know, it works that yeah. way. Rocket Referrals was really good as far as an automation process that allowed me to um, automate things back in the day. Do I still use rocket referrals? I'm embarrassed to say this. I do. Uh, why would you say you're embarrassed? Because I didn't know we were still using them. <laughs> so right before we're leaving to go camping on Thursday, my wife goes and gets the mail and she goes, Oh, look, she's like, I got, she's like, I got a, a thank you card from, um, for, from rocket referrals. And I open it up and it's like, Hey, thank you for renewing with us or whatever. I'm like, Holy shit. I didn't know we were still sending those out. Come to find out I had $200 on my credit card that was coming out for rocket referrals for my damn cards every, every month. I was like, shit, I didn't know. So anyways. All right. Well, let me ask your opinion on this. This isn't in the book, um, but this is something that a lot of people use and I, I'm not a fan of, but I want to get your opinion on it. Okay. So what is your opinion on people who use the phrase, the highest compliment I could ever receive is a referral from you. Yeah. I don't use any of that shit. Okay. Or um, we're here for all your insurance needs. Mm-hmm. I really want to jab somebody's eyeball uh, eyeballs out when I hear that, you know? Um, I, I, I really don't need it. But yeah, I, here, I'm bad at it. I just I think that there's a couple people who are really crazy and they got good, really good at referrals, and so they decided to write a book and make everybody else feel guilty. I just think of the way it is. People are, I mean, I, dude, you would not have to believe how many times in commercial lines I'm like, hey, um, you know, I'm talking to a wholesaler. Hey, I'd like to try and help. Blah blah blah, blah blah blah. You know what they say to me? Like, I don't want to give you their damn. I don't want. I don't want you telling them my business with your business. You know what I mean? I, no, 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 no. That's not how we do that. Well, I will tell you, we get that a little bit less now that we're getting bigger. Sometimes when the smaller, they kind of think that. Um, but I, I will tell you, dude, no, no, um, okay. no, don't like it. Not gotcha. Big. All right. Um, now, next in the book, you talk about um, NPS. And is this something that you guys are doing in your agency? And for those of you who are not familiar with an NPS, it stands for Net Promoter Score and engages a customer's willingness to recommend your business. So is that something that you guys use in your agency? Um, we Well, through this, um, I will tell you, we've been told that NPS is a factor inside of Salesforce. I don't know what that okay. means yet. I don't know what that means. Um, okay. But uh, I think – I wish NPS would get more serious. We do mm-hmm. need a general way to be able to grade people across spectrums, across mm-hmm. things, right? Um, 
we need to have what's called a reputation score. We mm-hmm. need to be able to create a reputation score that should, it would be way more powerful than a credit score. That would yeah. literally take reviews from every place you went. You know, I mean, if you were at Six Flags and you filled mm-hmm. out a review thing or somehow they reviewed you, being able to aggregate all that information to be able to create that I think would be good. NPS, I think, is probably the closest thing we have for that. Airlines use that. You remember that one? It was probably out during this. What was it called? Mm-hmm. Clout? You remember oh, that? I do not. I do not remember them. It was a place, gosh damn, it was a social media platform that put all of your, brought it all into, I think it was called Clout, dude. Okay. And and what it was, was, is like um, uh, the hotels um, mm-hmm. uh, 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 provide data to it and everything. And then what it does is it t- pulls your clout on the social media and says, this is how much clout Cass has, right? And then by, by your clout score, when you would go to get a hotel or something, they would give you a discount, knowing that uh, you're the kind of person that has a lot of clout that you're going to talk about the Marriott. Therefore, you're going to get a lot more. I totally forgot about clout. That would have been something like that. Yeah. For any loyal listeners, um, if you remember this or have some more information, uh, go ahead, comment um, either on a post or send an email to Jason about it. We'd be... Uh, yeah. Be interested to see if anyone remembers about that. Yeah. All right. So the next thing I have to ask you about is the heading for one of the next ses- sections, which is on page 113. All right. Touch them all the right ways. <laughs> touch. I'm sorry. Touch them in all the right ways. Now, did anyone ever contact you and voice their concern about the implications of what you may or may not mean? Where, about where is touch that? them Go page 113. Mm-hmm. Oh, right there. Touch them in all Touch them in all the right ways. No, I just think it's your perverted mind, Josh. Okay. All right. Ah. Okay. All right. That I was just wondering. Weird. That is kind of yeah. weird. Hey, it shows the difference in times. That wasn't as a sensitive of a matter as it was. Before, no. You know? No. I mean, no. yeah. Wow. Touch them in all the right ways. I feel that was a Brian Appleton um, uh, probably, idea. Probably. Yeah. Every okay. touch point with your customers plays a huge role in reinforcing your brand's image. That's, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, now, you do provide the basic steps of how to solicit referrals from your clients. And this is what you were doing back in 2015. Mm-hmm. You recommend to send an introductory email thanking them for, uh, for the business, a list of products you offer, link to your website to learn more about you, contact information, encourage them to forward the emails to others. Recommend they save the email and make sure it's sent from you so they can reply. For you, is this was this one email or was it broken up into multiple emails? And now in 2020, how are you doing this? How are you sending out this information? So yeah, it's multiple emails. And then today we have really kind of hit on, I want them to know who the face of the team is, specifically who's going to help them. Um, I want them to know about our mobile app. And then after the first uh, renewal, we will then ask for a referral just as a simple email. Hey, letting them know that, you know, um, we uh, uh, here, that's how we write our business on on preferred business. One of the things that we try to do is I let them know right off the bat, like we are a large commercial agency. We believe in helping above average to preferred clients like yourself, Jim, but we are a commercial agency. Um, and so we are always kind of pounding that into them because the biggest 
Um, what did you say? What is the thing people say the biggest honor we can get or whatever? Is there, oh, yeah. Is yeah the you, highest compliment uh, you can I could ever receive is a referral from you. Right. And so I, I truly believe that a commercial referral would be freaking awesome. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so those are those are far less. Yeah. And they are separate emails. Okay. Yep. So to me, the most important part of this chapter is the end where you talk about follow the money, which is on page 117. In it, you talk about making sure that you keep track of records of how prospects found you. Um, It gets back to the beginning of this chapter where Chuck talks about how many referrals agents actually received and an agency can't say accurately what they're doing without that information. Mm -hmm. So what would you suggest the loyal listener use to track this type of data if they don't have neon? Because clearly Mm -hmm. the answer would be neon. Uh, But for those that don't have the ability to get on to neon or it might be a couple of years that they're able to be able to do it. What should the loyal listeners be using to track this type of data? Okay. Um, uh, active campaign is who I have used outside of neon. So mm-hmm. I think they're the best because um, their email marketing system is, is, is second to none, but I also like the deals in there where the product of my producers can keep track of, of some of that stuff, uh, their, their referrals and stuff, uh, okay. or, I mean, their, um, their leads, their incoming leads, outgoing right. leads and all that. Um, and also I like it because it has good reporting, but it's just not specific to the insurance industry. Uh, I believe that that's, that's what you should be, um, um, using better agency. If you don't want to use active campaign because you need something a little more simple, but yet dynamic, I think better agency out there. Um, provides that for a lot of agents in a very simple format. I believe agency Zoom um, is very simple. Like, why would I use better agency over agency Zoom? Well, if I had um, a Hawksoft, I believe that there's a better integration with eight, with uh, with better agency. Um, if I'm with AMS 360, I would be with agency Zoom because I believe there's a better integration. Um, once again, going back, if you don't know what an integration is, you probably haven't been listening to this whole podcast because that's all we've talked about. Um, mm-hmm. So those would be some of those that I would use today. Now, Agency Zoom is not going to give you the emails, right? Like you're going to get over with Better Agency and with Active Campaign. Maybe you already use MailChimp, so maybe Active our Agency Zoom will be perfect for it is. But do you see how we're starting to create this technology stack? And you're, right. you're not able to do what you want to do. You're actually able to do what what is allowed to connect. And I, right. I don't I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Yeah. Well, anything else that you want to talk about before we wrap things up? No, man. It is. Uh, it's been fantastic. I believe we have one more. What's the next one going to be about? Uh, it's going to be the final chapter, which is chapter fifteen, the modern customer experience. Make it your own way. And then we're going to also talk about the great separator, which I haven't actually heard the great separator when you spoke at um, innovation. I guess it was innovation 19 and debuted that I was not in attendance. Holy so shit. Are you serious? Yeah. 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 So I'm excited um, to hear about that. Wow. I know. Okay. I know. Okay. I, w- I wasn't able to make it out there. Um, Okay. All right. Well, I did not know that Josh and I'm so surprised for loyal listeners because I know you guys know Josh and I are very close and stuff like that. Yeah. 
wow, well, good. I got some more minds yeah. I can blow because I, yes. and it's also transformed a little bit as we're going through this. One of the hardest parts of writing a freaking book about the future is when the oh, future yeah. is changing so damn fast. It's like crap. Exactly. Um, so anyways. Well, uh, good stuff today. I hope the loyal listeners enjoyed it and learned yes. something from it. Um, with that, I want to say thank you to Jason for joining me on Explain This Book to Me. And again, you, the loyal listeners, for being here. So everyone remember to be safe, be healthy, and love everyone. This has been Josh Lipstone with Explain This Book to Me.